Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 29 of Hack to Start. This episode features Ryan Delk, the Director of Growth and Business Development at Gumroad. Tyler and I wanted to invite Ryan onto the show to share his experience as an entrepreneur working in the mobile and payment space. Previous to Gumroad, Ryan worked at Square and iHub, setting up one of the first mobile-focused startup conferences in Nairobi. He's now focused on helping Gumroad grow and how they can help empower creators everywhere. Now let's get to it. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for being on the show today. Hey, Franco. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, so we always like to uh, get started by learning a little bit more about our guests. So where are you from? What did you study? And, and how did your passion for entrepreneurship uh, really develop? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I'm from Orlando, Florida. Uh, grew up there. My family is from there. Um, and I went to the University of Florida, um, studied there for a while, um, and then, yeah, ended up in San Francisco in terms of uh, sort of figuring out that this is what I wanted to do with my life. I think it was a, a pretty long process for me um, that sort of evolved out of a lot of frustration. And, um, you know, early on in like elementary and middle school, I remember trying to uh, sort of start little side businesses and find ways to make money, uh, whether it's from, you know, a lawn service or making things and selling them or, um, you know, figuring out, like I used to bring Coke, uh, cans of Coke, not cocaine, uh, to school and sell it for cheaper than the vending machine, uh, when I was like in third or fourth or fifth grade or something. Um, so yeah, there was like a lot of things that I was sort of, uh, doing over the course of, I don't know, the first 15 years of my life. Um, and just figuring out that like, there's a lot of ways you can make money. There's a lot of ways you can add value for people's lives. Um, and do things that, you know, leave them thinking, wow, this is awesome. Like I, I got something really cool and leave you, you know, uh, having, you know, created value for someone and, and made money. Um, and then I think that it sort of all came to a head when I went to Nairobi, Kenya. Yeah. Uh, and I worked uh, at a sort of co-working space called the iHub with Eric Hersman, who uh, was the founder of the iHub, also founder of Ushahidi, amazing guy. Uh, and was basically his right-hand man uh, for a summer, a little more than a summer. Worked on a lot of different projects there. Uh, we can go into more detail of that later if you want. Um, but yeah, worked with a lot of projects and sort of realized that um, the tech world was, it was always something that fascinated me. Uh, I was never super technical. Like I never uh, had invested a lot of time in learning any sort of computer science, uh, at least anything significant. Um, but was always sort of generally interested. I uh, was pretty tech savvy. Um, and so I realized that the tech world was interesting because uh, I don't know if I would have articulated this way at the time, but there was sort of this, um, you know, disproportionate bias towards people who just got things done. Um, and in the sort of in the rest of the world, I think the way we sort of look at all these signals for 
uh, whether or not someone is like valuable or whether or not we should hire them and whether or not they're a good fit for the team or whatever. And that could be like degrees or how many years they've worked somewhere mm-hmm. or what their titles were or uh, all that kind of stuff. Like you see job postings all the time for like, you know, 10 years of experience or like you need to have this GPA or whatever. And it's because we've sort of figured out over the last, you know, 50, 100 years that those are sort of the best signals to look at to figure out if someone's going to be good at executing and doing their job. Um, but the tech world is interesting because uh, it sort of uh, has figured out, I think, that there's, it's, it's, you know, less efficient at scale, I think, but at, in small companies, uh, the best metric is really just like, does this person get things done? Uh, are they good at getting things done? And do they, you know, do it at a very high level? And so there's sort of this bias towards just people who can get things done. You don't have to sort of deal with like, you know, working up the ladder for 10 years at a company before you're in a position where you can actually make an impact. So I think that's what was sort of very attractive to me. Um, and then also sort of like the high amount of leverage of being able to make a lot of impact with your time, uh, both for the company, for people who use the product, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, that's what sort of got me into doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's awesome. So you actually just mentioned the the iHub there in Nairobi. So what is that organization specifically? If you can touch on that a little bit more. And um, I know that, you know, as part of your role there, you were a kind of like a, a BD lead for a conference called Pivot 25 in, in 2011. It was a first of its kind kind of mobile tech conference, something along the lines of a, of a TechCrunch Disrupt. Um, so, so how did you get involved in that organization and, and what led you there and, and why? Yeah, so I originally um, reached out to Eric Hersman. He's also from Florida. Um, and I think I'd read like a New York Times article about him or something. He's a, a TED fellow, so I might have come across him from there. Uh, and we had some mutual friends in Florida. I think we'd met a couple times. So I sent him an email and just said, hey, you know, I'm a sophomore at the University of Florida. I guess I was a freshman. Uh, no, a sophomore. The University of Florida. Um, Want to do something crazy this summer. You know, what if I was going to come out and just sort of work with you? Um, you know, I, I love sort of everything to do with like building businesses, building companies, whatever I could do to help. So we met. We chatted a couple times. Um, and then I ended up just going out there sort of sight unseen. He offered me, you know, a position there. Um, and so I worked on a ton of different projects. Uh, the one I probably spent the most time on was Pivot 25, which is now called, uh, Pivot East. Um, and that was basically a conference for the best, uh, sort of startups that were in sub-Saharan Africa or East Africa. Um, and we... Or opened up applications, and there were you know hundreds of different startups that applied. Uh, we interviewed a bunch of them, sort of narrowed it down to the 25 best uh, candidates or best companies in five different categories, and they all came to the conference and pitched. And so I was working with the companies on refining their pitch, working on their business model. Um, it was sort of like uh, you know like sort of like YC office hours, a little bit like that. Uh, which has you know been much popularized over the last uh, couple of years, but sort of that just over and over again with all the companies, uh, sort of teaching them how to talk to investors, uh, what questions investors are going to ask, um, you know, if if they weren't in a position where I felt like their business model or their company was sort of something that was worth talking to investors, like figuring out how to getting it to get it to that point where they could actually build something that would scale and create a lot of value. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was a lot of my role was sort of getting them ready, and then we did the conference, and a bunch of investors came in and. It was cool. It was, uh, you know, sort of laid a lot of framework for the conferences that have happened in the future, and they've grown significantly every year. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds really like a lot of fun. Um, so we'll get to Gumroad in a moment, where you're you're currently working. Um, but before, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot in the middle. But in between iHub Nairobi and Gumroad, you ended up working at Square. So how did you actually get in at Square, and and what did you end up doing there? 
Yeah. Um, so when I was in Nairobi, one of Square's early investors uh, was actually at the iHub, and she was telling me about um, just I think it hurt. I, back then it was I think it was pretty early for Square. Like I don't know how mainstream it was, um, but they. She was telling me about just sort of her first experience with the product and when she got pitched on it and just thinking like, okay, this is, you know, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and just talked very highly about the company. And so I was pretty interested in payments. I was interested in anything that had sort of, uh, you know, a moat around it in terms of uh, sort of very difficult field for or industry for competitors to come up in. Uh, I liked payments because it wasn't sort of so heavily laden with regulatory issues that it was impossible to get anything done like a lot of other industries. But there were a lot of regulations and a lot of sort of very difficult problems, uh, you know, fraud, credit card processing, all these things. Uh, that if you were going to start a company, you sort of really needed to know what you're doing. So if you had significant market share, like it seemed like Square was on its way to attain, and obviously they did, uh, and are continuing to grow, uh, th- there was sort of uh, a, a big competitive advantage that you would have. Um, so Square was interesting to me. I, I liked the idea of sort of empowering you know, independent creators and makers and people that had their own businesses, local businesses, to sort of get very competitive credit card processing rates without having to deal with these obnoxious contracts. Uh, with you know the sort of incumbent companies, so uh, I just reached out to them, and you know we talked about a couple different I think opportunities, and then they sort of started this program where they had different like regional people that were able they hired to who are I think almost all college students uh, to work like in a part time capacity uh, to basically just be like the face of Square for their either like city or region or state or whatever. Um, so yeah, worked on that for I think maybe eight or eight months, twelve months, um, and then yeah, ended up leaving that when I joined Gumroad. So you currently do growth and business development at Gumroad. So what is Gumroad, and how did you hack your way into this opportunity? Yeah, so Gumroad, uh, we are all about empowering creators to make a living doing what they love. So we have a platform uh, that empowers anyone who's making. Uh, anything that they want to sell on the web and be able to sell that directly to their audience. And we sort of handle all the complicated things around payments, um, you know, sort of anything to do with paying or paying, buying for something or selling something online. We sort of handle all the complicated stuff. So if you want to uh, list a song for sale uh, or sell a Photoshop plugin or sell an icon that you just designed or sell your book, uh, there's, you know, the options available to you before Gumroad were basically the major marketplaces, which could take, you know, uh, months to get approved. They would end up taking 30, 40, 50, 60% of your revenue. You didn't have much exposure to the data. Um, so you had sort of that problem, or you could try to sell it on your own site or to your own audience. But that was difficult because you probably had to use PayPal uh, and sort of set up some weird system for like, autoresponder emails after someone buys a PayPal and send them a Dropbox link or whatever. Uh, so just very cumbersome. Yeah, and no, we just wanted to, friendly. Yeah, so we just wanted to simplify that. Um, and that's that sort of was the original goal of Gumroad and still is the goal of Gumroad. And now we're uh, 24 people, I think, awesome. uh, in San Francisco and uh, serving you know creators all across the world from well-known artists and authors and filmmakers um, you know, to independent creators who are just getting started and everyone in between. So what does growth mean to you at Gumroad? 
Yeah, so oh, we think about two main things. So there, you know, the thing about Gumroad that's nice is uh, there's lots of things about Gumroad that are nice, but one of the things that I love is that our incentives are completely aligned with our creators, with the people that use Gumroad, because we only make money when they make money. So we don't have like a sign-up fee or a monthly fee or a hosting fee. So like we have no incentive to just get people to sign up uh, and like have an account because we you know make no money on that. So our only incentive is to help creators make more money, which is awesome because it means that all of our engineering uh, resources, all of our you know financial resources, all the time of the team can be spent just doing that and doing things that will lead to that. Um, so that's probably you know that's something that sort of is able to keep us focused and probably one of my favorite things about the company. Um, in terms of growth, we think about you know sort of growth of metrics, top line, uh, you know volume going through the system, which correlates directly with revenue, number of users. Uh, we think a lot about like how long it takes someone to go from signing up to creating their first product to selling their first product, and then to hitting certain benchmarks, you know, making their first hundred dollars, thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, hundred thousand uh, dollars, and we look at that funnel a lot and figure out ways that we can sort of help. Uh, you know, condense that if there, if if possible, uh, and then uh, sort of this is less um, sort of objective, but thinking about sort of our presence within the key verticals and industries for us. So publishing, film, music, software, sales, uh, those are sort of our four like big industries. And in all those where, you know, we try to be the default platform for people, both independents and really well-known people in those verticals. Um, and so from a growth perspective, think a lot about like, what does our presence looks like mm -hmm. in those, uh, in those verticals. And, you know, when someone's having a conversation at Sundance, uh, in a couple weeks about how to distribute their film, uh, is Gumroad one of the things that they're talking about? Is, is Gumroad in the conversation? And if not, how do we sort of get it there? And if it is there, how do we continue those types of conversations from happening and sort of uh, you know go from, yeah, Gumroad's a cool option to Gumroad is incredible. Uh, you have to use Gumroad for your film regardless. Uh, so, yeah. How do you approach business development at Gumroad and how do you go about building new personal relationships? Yeah, so uh, BD is interesting. I think um, BD as a title has gotten a little bit of a bad rap uh, in the tech world. Um, and it's interesting because I think that it became sort of this thing, this like very sort of nebulous uh, title that anyone who was non-technical, who uh, wanted to work at a tech startup could try to brand themselves uh, as or sort of like get a job doing. And it can also be a lot of sort of BS and noise. Um, so there's a lot of things that you could sort of hypothetically justify under the sort of umbrella of business development that actually create zero value or near zero value to the company, and in some cases, perhaps negative value. Um, so I think you know, as a as a title, it's probably means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. For us, uh, you know, you could call it partnerships, you could call it a lot of things, but it really just means sort of the uh, you know the non organic um, people that are coming to the platform and the deals that we're doing to help make that happen. So uh, a couple months ago, we announced a deal with Hachette, uh, which is one of the largest publishers uh, in the world. You know, it's to allow their authors to sell uh, via Gumroad. Uh, their books. And so that's a great example of a deal that we worked on sort of from the BD side of things. Um, you know, similar things happening and have happened in music and uh, film. Uh, we've done stuff with Magnolia Pictures. Uh, recently we announced a deal with them where uh, they, you know, use Gumroad to sell their films directly to their audience. So mm -hmm. things like that um, that are sort of more deal oriented, uh, long lead, you know, a lot of relationship driven stuff. 
Uh, and then, you know, the cool thing is that the goal, of course, is that the BD stuff that we're doing where it takes sort of a lot of effort to get these deals live then leads to a lot of organic stuff uh, where someone sees that. And if you're an aspiring author or filmmaker or, you know, you're thinking about how to release your film, you see, oh, Magnolia is using this platform called Gummer. That's cool. Maybe I should look at that. And then you see, oh, this is easy to sign up, easy to check out. I'll go for it. Uh, so ideally, sort of this, there's a cycle where you know, sort of the bigger deals and the BD style deals then drive a lot of organic growth. And we're seeing that happen and, you know, it's working well. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really cool. So, how do you, as an individual, identify the kind of the kind of deals that you want to go after, and and how do you approach building these new relationships and and getting these guys to bring their content onto Gumroad? Yeah, that's something I've learned uh, a lot about and learned a lot the hard way uh, over the last almost three years uh, since we've been at this. I think that it's really easy, especially early on in a company, to sort of any deal that. Um, looks you know sexy or cool or like it'll be fun to talk about yeah. uh you know to just go after it and i certainly spent a lot of time you know chasing those type of deals early on where you know either it's a big name or it's someone who says they're going to do a lot of cool stuff for you or whatever uh, and then you know six months down the line after you've been you've spent hundreds of hours on it you realize this isn't going to be what they said it's going to be this actually isn't going to be valuable to us so um, I think a lot of it is learning and sort of creating a filter for yourself on, is this actually going to be valuable? Is this worth our time? Uh, is this going to move the needle for us? And, you know, there's a couple different ways that we look at that. Like we look at the sort of pure, you know, is this person going to push a ton of volume through the system, which correlates again directly with our revenue, which is great. If we can help someone make a ton of money, we're going to, you know, see a nice revenue bump from that. Let's do it. Let's do the deal get it done. Uh, the second piece would be if, it's someone who's very influential in a key vertical. And, uh, you know, if someone is a really well-known independent publisher and they're going to use Gumroad to sell something, that's going to drive a lot of that independent growth uh, that I talked about. And so if, you know, someone is going to be able to sort of drive a lot of this long tail growth by using Gumroad, uh, then that's, that's key as well. And then the last piece is if it's someone who's sort of being able to have them on the platform uh, is going to sort of give us a leg up in a specific industry. So, um, you know, the first in any sort of vertical that you're trying to break into is really, really important. So whenever we were working on, you know, film or publishing or music, like getting that first campaign live with a legitimate label or agency or film studio or publishing house or whatever was really, really important because then you can go to all the other ones and say, hey, we just did this. Here's someone you know about. It's in your industry that's peers with you that we're working with. Let's do something similar. Um, so there's, you know, that case as well where you just want to get it done from a validation perspective. Yeah, for sure. And so earlier you mentioned that, you know, Gumroad is a platform for creators. Um, and recently, you know, at the start of the year, I think you guys launched uh, a new 30 day challenge and a bunch of tools uh, like audience basically to help educate more people on how to become creators and become effective creators. Like, like you said, you know, you guys only make money when they're making money. So first off, you know, what are these these two new tools, the 30 day challenge and audience and and, and why encourage more people to kind of take the jump and start creating? Yeah, so I think all of this uh, fits in into sort of a larger umbrella, which is uh, us realizing that we can do, there's some things that the best, the people that make the, the most money on Gumroad and are most successful um, do really, really well. And if we can take those things and help uh, independent creators who may have never thought about it or not have the resources to do it or not know how to do it and educate them and empower them to do those same things, they're going to see uh, a lot of success. And so, for example, uh, the, if you're you know, going to release a product 
if you start building an email list uh, or a list of people who are interested in that product before you start creating it or as you're creating it, um, you can easily 10x the revenue that you are going to get from that product launch uh, versus if you just built something and then just tweeted and put it on Facebook and said, hey, I just released this book, go buy it. Yeah. Uh, if you're building an email list from day one, if you're sending out chapters to that list, if you're telling them when it's going to come out, if you use tiered pricing, all these things, uh, you could 10x or even 100x the revenue that you would make from the exact same product um, you know, at your exact sa- same sort of audience size just because of the way you execute. So audience in particular is a way for you know people to be able to start creating that audience and building that audience before they actually have a product ready for sale. So it's a very simple way for someone to say, hey, um, you know, you are, Frank, I'm really interested in what you're building. I want to subscribe to that. When you have a product come out, shoot me an email. I'm interested. Um, and so that's just a very, very simple, very light way for, way for people to do that. Uh, and then the 30-day the challenge is something that we sort of took everything we know about if you're sort of trying to get to where you can launch a product or trying to build an audience. Um, here's everything we know about how to do that and do that effectively condensed into this 30-day sort of very easy to digest and work on challenges. Um, and so that's something that you know I'm really excited about because I think that A, uh, it empowers people who didn't think they could do this or weren't sure or sort of had a lot of you know questions about how they might get it done. It gives them like these very actionable next steps to get it done. But then B, it also helps us uh, you know, spend time with a community of creators who are trying to actually do what you know Gumroad exists to do. Like they're trying to make a living by selling things that they love, that they love making. Whether that it's the book they've been waiting to write for the last six years, whether it's the film they're finally getting around to trying to make with some friends, whether it's you know an album they've been recording in their basement, whatever it is, like they're trying to get those things out there, and we can help them do that. And so, as a part of this 30 day challenge, we created this Facebook group, and we said, you know, if you want to, just join this Facebook group, and like if you want to chat with other people who are on the challenge or have questions, let us know. And it's been unbelievable to just, you know, log in there a couple times a day and just see all these people posting questions, uh, other creators just helping them out and saying, oh, well, like, here's, you know, here's where you go on Gumroad to do that. Or like, here's an idea that I saw that helps you with that. Uh, and just like being able to participate in a very small way in this community that's like totally just organically like gelling and, and helping each other uh, along this. Like, it's, it's very, very cool. And I think this is something that we're, you know, not just going to do for January, but then, uh, you know, be able to release it sort of as a standalone thing that anyone can take at any time uh, and sort of learn and go through the process as well. Wicked, that sounds awesome. I was going to ask you uh, how it's doing just, uh, you know, a few days into it, basically, I guess a few weeks into it. Yeah, it's, it's doing very well. I mean, there's thousands of people who have taken the challenge um, and the engagement rates along the way are incredibly, incredibly high. Uh, and, it, and it's meant to be something, I mean, we spent a lot of time and effort on this uh, and the t- uh, Jessica and uh, Emilice and Alex and several other people on the team really poured a lot of hours into this. Um, and so I think that, you know, that's, people are seeing the fruits of that and that this isn't something that was just thrown together as a marketing, you know, tool. This is something that's actually incredibly valuable for creators that uh, drops a lot of knowledge. That's awesome. So with that being said, where does Gumroad see itself fitting in this kind of indie creator community? Yeah, that's something we've been thinking a lot about. Um, you know, I think we want to be, I mean, if we could be known sort of like in one word, I would say like empowers, like we want to be known as, uh, you know, someone that makes it, something that makes it really, really easy for you as a creator uh, to do what you love. 
And, you know, I think there's sort of a mix where we want to just sort of sit invisibly in the background and be this really simple thing that can just make you awesome uh, and just make you able to sell your stuff and enable you to do it in a really hassle-free, lightweight way. Uh, But there's other mix where, like, we want to help people and we want to educate and we want to be more visible, like the 30-day challenge, uh, where there's really, like, no way to do that invisibly. Like, you sort of have to be out there and tell people, hey, you should sign up for this. This is awesome. Um, So I think, you know, we want to be sort of the the champions of the indie creators like we you know we believe in this this new movement that's happening around you know independent entrepreneurs who uh, have a passion have something they love doing whether it's writing or um, you know creating Photoshop plugins or creating uh, you know icons for people to use whatever it is uh, you know we believe that like we can sort of create these tools that allow you to do that in a really sustainable way where you can make a living doing what you love uh, and that's you know that's the goal yeah absolutely that's super cool so you personally, I mean, I've noticed just, just from talking to you now that you already have a propensity for kind of mobile and payment technologies. Um, are there any other areas that you kind of see as, as huge opportunities for uh, up and coming entrepreneurs, any technologies or industries that, that really interest you? Yeah, there's a lot. Um, so I think there's, I mean, I, there's, there's a lot of companies that are being started now, which I think are really interesting. Um, I think the healthcare space is particularly interesting. There's a, a company uh, called Prime um, that I, I've been helping their, their founders out with some stuff, and they're, they're super cool. They're basically a way to um, aggregate uh, like all your healthcare data so into like a very secure format on a mobile app uh, and then be able to discuss that with like family members. So if you have, I don't know if you have a family member that has any sort of chronic illness, um, but I, I do. And so my parents are sort of constantly dealing with, uh, you know, all this healthcare data. It's like everywhere across all these doctors and like figuring out ways to like, you know, get it into one place and then like discuss it with, uh, you know, the family member that has this chronic illness and it's just a pain. Um, and so that's a company that I'm really excited about. I think a general space that I'm really excited about. Um, and, you know, I started advising them a, a couple months ago. And that's, it's, you know, really, really interesting to me. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting things happening where, you know, things that we used to sort of uh, take for granted, like mobile phones are basically becoming a remote control for those actions. So like going to the post office, for example, um, you know, there's a company Ship now, I don't know if you've heard of them, yeah. where they basically, uh, it's like sort of Uber for shipping packages. So you just take a picture of the package, click a button on your phone, a guy, a guy or girl shows up, you hand them the package and they, uh, you know, you just hand them the item and they actually package it up and then ship it for you. And it's basically the same price as going to the post office. So there's a lot of things like that where there's sort of these things that we just took for granted in everyday life that I'm really excited about seeing, uh, you know, this sort of offline online combination of their sort of mobile phone becoming a remote control for the physical world uh, that I think is really interesting. And it's cool living in San Francisco because you get to experience a lot of these things really early on because uh, a lot of these companies, San Francisco is their first market. Um, so yeah, I think those are, I mean, in terms of things I'm really excited about, those are the things that, you know, I would, if, if I wasn't working on Gummer, those are what, that's what I would be working on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many cool things happening all the time, and yeah, it must be must be pretty cool living in uh, in San Francisco, getting access to that right away. Yeah, it feels a little bit like living in the future. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, besides Gumroad, are there any apps, books, devices, tools that you're really obsessed with right now? Yeah, there. Let's see. I guess I should just look at my home screen. Um, there's an app called Human. Um, H-U-M-I-N that I use all the time. It's a uh, this really, really robust sort of s- replacement for your phone uh, slash contacts app. 
um, and it syncs with all the different places that your contacts live, whether it's like Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, and creates these really rich sort of contact profiles for um, you know everyone that you interact with. And then whenever you meet someone new, they have this amazing thing where you can just add them, and it, it logs like where you met them. Uh, you know, if there's a calendar event on your calendar, it tags it to that calendar event. And then like if you're with someone, it knows that. So like I could, you know, if we were to meet, and let's say Tyler was there. Uh, you know, I could say, I could search human and say, you know, who's that guy that I met uh, with Tyler uh, last September? And it would show me and it would come and say, oh, it's Franco. And I would see your profile. So I really like that. I think they're onto something really interesting, especially across like aggregating all these different places that are very disparate where your contacts live. Um, in terms of other things that I use a lot, um, I use Mailbox for mail. Uh, I love that. And then I use Pocket. I started using Pocket a lot more recently um, just to log everything that I'm you know, sort of reading, and especially on Twitter where people share links. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Slack. I uh, started using that a lot. It's an amazing, amazing uh, way to communicate outside of sort of email and text messages. So I have several different uh, sort of Slack rooms that I hang out in. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably the main ones right now. That's wicked. Any last thoughts or personal mottos that you live by that you think others should know about? Yeah, uh, I get asked this question a lot. I think uh, the one that I sort of try to share is, um, it's actually a quote from Chris Saka, who's one of Gumroad's investors and uh, just an amazing guy within the tech community. But it's uh, add value before you ask for value. And it's something that served me really well. Uh, I think it applies to nearly everything in life, uh, whether it's, you know, I think it's most often, at least I most often talk about it in the context of looking for a job or trying to sort of break into an industry. Uh, it's the advice that I give almost everyone uh, who says, hey, how can I get involved in startups? How can I break into startups? I'm, you know, I want to leave banking or I want to, you know, I don't want to work at this company anymore. I want to, you know, now work at a startup. Yeah. Um, if you can find ways to add value for people before you ask for value. So a practical example, if you, you know, say, hey, uh, I really want to work uh, in, you know, marketing for your company. Um, I went ahead and took all the copy on your homepage and I think it could be improved to convert higher and to connect better with your audience. And so I rewrote everything and I you know, did these mock-ups in Photoshop with a new copy. Um, you know, let me know what you think and I would love to discuss it. I'll be in San Francisco if we can get coffee. Uh, even if not, feel free to take any of these. You own the rights to them and you can do whatever you want with it. So that's like a really practical way uh, where if I am looking to hire someone for a role like that and I get that email, um, you know, you immediately sure think, in. wow, yeah. yeah, this guy's taking some time. Like maybe I should talk to him. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's um, that's probably the one I use the most. But it also works like if you're trying to do a BD deal, uh, if you're trying to get people to use your product or service, like just any way that you can add value for someone before you immediately try to say ask for something in return and say, hey, can you use this or can you hire me or whatever. Uh, I think that that works really well. Absolutely, awesome. Th- those are some great words of of advice. Uh, really appreciate having you on the show today, Ryan. Yeah, thanks so much, Franco. Thank you. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.